A group of Black Lives Matter activists, if you can even call them that, have been going around to small businesses in downtown Louisville and making demands of them. One of the demands is actually that they put the list of demands in the window. But they want these companies to start hiring more diverse staff, instituting diversity trainings. And one of the most extreme proposals is they want these businesses to give 1.5% of their net sales to specific social justice nonprofits. I would call this a protection racket, only they're demanding these businesses pay an ideological tax, essentially a religious tithe. One business owner, a Cuban owned business, has remained defiant, posting on Facebook that no, we will not give in to your demands. So the group of Black Lives Matter extremists, whatever, racketeers, showed up to the business and actually smashed a potted plant out in front of his restaurant. This is the most extreme we've seen so far. And it makes me wonder why exactly they want to abolish the police. Hmm. Could it be then that no one could stop them? Could it be that they will institute this kind of community policing? I would dare say the answer is yes, because I've predicted this and I've been saying it nonstop for the past several months. Once the police are gone, you will get weirdos showing up to your homes and businesses making demands of you, and there will be nothing you can do about it. Well, of course, some people are pushing back. Cuban community plans rally at Nulu restaurant in response to Black Lives Matter demands, saying that they claim to be fighting injustice, but they're using injustice. Now, for those that have actually given into the mafia-like racketeering demands, protection racket demands, where these extremists go around smashing up businesses and then demand the city abolish the police. How have these cities been faring once they did abolish the police? Surprise, surprise, crime is skyrocketing. And I'll tell you what, man, what I've been saying about this is that it, it's, it's getting worse. I can only assume it will get worse. And I warned about this years ago. Every time I see these stories, about morality policing, about, say, the DA in New York or Texas saying we're not going to be charging these people. We're going to be dropping the charges, rioting charges in I believe it was in Fort Worth, Texas, were dropped for many of these Black Lives Matter extremists. Morality policing. When the governors arrest people who want to open their businesses but allow Black Lives Matter, morality government. And now we're hearing Louisville might actually declare racism a public health emergency. What you are seeing here is just a taste of what's to come. I've seen it before. I've seen it in Berkeley and I've seen it in Hamburg, Germany. And I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you exactly what it looks like. If you don't stand up and call this out now, like this Cuban restaurant is doing, like the Cuban community is doing, then they will eventually find their way to your residence. And when the police are long abolished, there will be no one to protect you. I want to talk to you today about what's going on with this Black Lives Matter racket as well as defunding the police and how it's affecting Donald Trump's polls. Because lo and behold, it looks like Trump is improving the more these lunatics go around making these insane demands. But let me just stress one more time. They're demanding net revenue cash from these businesses. Now, this is mafia tactics. Before we get started, head over to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are many ways you can give. I got a P.O. box. But the best thing you can do share this video or just subscribe. Most of the people who watch, I should say just over half, aren't actually subscribed to this channel. So if you like my videos and you think I do a good job, make sure you hit the subscribe button, the like button and the notification bell. And let's read this story from the Courier Journal. 
Cuban community plans rally at Nulu restaurant in response to Black Lives Matter demands. They say members of Louisville's Cuban community, uh, Cuban community plan to gather Sunday in support of a Nulu restaurant owner who says he was threatened by Black Lives Matter protesters during a recent demonstration. Fernando Martinez, a partner of the Olay Restaurant Group, was one of dozens of business owners in the downtown Louisville district who recently received a letter from protesters laying out demands that aim to improve diversity in the area, which is known for its locally owned shops and restaurants. Martinez has publicly denounced the demands on Facebook, calling them mafia tactics used to intimidate business owners. And on Thursday, a small group of protesters confronted him outside his newest restaurant, La Bodeguida de Mima on East Market Street. Quote, there comes a time in life that you have to make a stand and you have to really prove your conviction and what you believe in. Martinez wrote in his Facebook post, all good people need to denounce this. How can you justify injustice with more prejudice? And that was a quote from him. So it was grammatically incorrect, but I believe he may be second. Uh, English may be a second language. According to a press release, members of the, of the city's Cuban community will meet outside the Nulu restaurant at 4 p.m. Sunday to support the immigrant owned business, which has been subject to vandalism and extortion in recent days. The release states that La Bodeguida de Mima was forced to close July 24th during a demonstration that shut down East Market Street, at which several protesters presented Martinez with a list of demands and said he better put the letter on the door so your business is not effed with. This is what they have been doing. And, and if you've been following my content, if you have seen my po- listen to the podcast and listen to my videos, I've been warning about this exact scenario, this exact scenario. The restaurant remained closed the next two days because management and staff were concerned about safety. According to the release, 30 plus staff members, mostly immigrants, were unable to earn a paycheck. This is not about marginalized people. This is about power. Shutting down the police makes no sense. Abolishing the police makes no sense. If your police aren't functioning properly, then they need better training, better funding, and they need better community relations programs, not defunding and abolishment. What do you get if you, de- if you, if you abolish the police or defund them? More crime, and I can prove it. And I will, but let's read this story. On Thursday, a small group of protesters returned to the restaurant after seeing Martinez's post about the demands on Facebook. While there, one protester smashed a flower pot outside the business while the rest spoke with Martinez and other employees about why the demands are needed. Give in to our cultist ideology or if you know what's good for you. And then they smashed a flower pot. What does that sound like? It sound, I, I, like I said earlier, man, I'd call it a protection racket. And it kind of is, but they're demanding he give money to their church, essentially their, their cult. This is becoming a, this is a cult and they're trying to expand the demands and an attached contract, which were created by local organizers and activists ask business owners to one adequately represent the black population of Louisville by having a minimum of 23% black staff purchase a minimum of 23% inventory from black retailers or make a recurring monthly donation of 1.5% of net sales to a local black nonprofit or organization. Require diversity and inclusion training for all staff members on a biannual basis. And display a visible sign 
that increases awareness and shows support for the reparations movement. We demand you bend the knee to our ideology and you fund it directly. I've seen it before, and it's worse than I've ever seen it. I was in Hamburg, Germany for the G20 several years ago, and there's a famous photo that was making making the rounds, not because of what it really was, but because of a small bit of information, a small uh, side note people made. You see, this photo was of a smashed up business called the Flying Tiger, Flying Tiger Copenhagen. And in this photo, you can see the windows all smashed out. To the left, there's another business. And to the right, another business. Those two businesses were not smashed up and destroyed. Like I said, the photo was of that one business. So why is it the other two businesses weren't smashed up? Well, to the left, there was a, a gate pulled down, a, a, you know, one of those steel gates they pulled down over the windows. People couldn't smash the windows up. To the right, just a regular old window, but left alone. Why? Because they were flying an Antifa flag. The flag of Antifa was in the window, so the extremists left them alone. They're sending a message like they're doing now. You give us money, you fund what we want, and you put our symbol in your window and you'll be safe. That's mafia tactics right there. Felix Crittenden, an activist who works with Black Lives Matter Louisville, said the demands are related. Nulu's social justice, health and wellness ratings were not meant to be a threat, but were instead intended to start a conversation with owners about how their businesses can better reflect and support black people. (laughs) It's not meant to be a threat. We're just vandalizing his property and destroying things in front of his business, you know, because it's unrelated. The, the, the demands have nothing to do with the destruction of his business and the threats to his staff. Crittenden, who also founded the organization Blacks Organizing Strategic Success, said several Nulu business owners have volunteered to sign the contract created by the protesters and are open to discussing their roles in the gentrification of the area, which has undergone hundreds of millions of dollars in development in recent years. At the root of the protesters' demands is the request that business owners acknowledge the harm brought on black residents when they were displaced from Nulu and the adjoining Phoenix Hill neighborhoods during the demolition of the Clarksdale housing project in the early 2000s. The 65-year-old complex, which abutted Nulu on Jefferson Street, was torn down in 04 and replaced with mixed-income housing that became known as Liberty Green. According to a 2009 Courier-Journal article, just 41 of the roughly 635 families who'd been displaced at Clarksdale returned to the new development. Nulu is flourishing, Crittenden said. To see that literal line in the sand as soon as you cross the street is very disturbing. Nulu doesn't reflect the community. They sit in and claim to incorporate and serve. And because of this ideological disparity, what do they do? They threaten people. And many of these businesses are scared, and they will just bend the knee. And now the mayor of Louisville recommends declaring racism a public health crisis. I have warned about this. Do you know what happens after they do? Take a look at what they've done in the name of other public health crises. Shut down your businesses, arrest people, prohibit church gatherings. They prohibit protests unless it is for Black Lives Matter. So what do you think happens when they say racism is a public health crisis? They've redefined the word. They've literally changed it in the dictionary. And now they're showing up to businesses and saying, bend the knee or else smash. I think we know what comes next. New York City has already had more shootings in 2020 than in the whole of 2019. Why is this happening? Why is New York experiencing a massive surge in lethal crime? I can tell you. 
NYPD eliminated plainclothes anti-crime unit in move towards more community policing. Gee, that was two months. That was almost three months ago. What was this? Two and a half months ago. I wonder, or it's about a month and a half ago. Sorry. I wonder uh, why would they do that? Ah, that's right. Black Lives Matter protests, encampments and threats, mass rioting through the streets. And you know what? The people keep saying on social media, guess what? The riots worked. We'll see if they worked in November. And unfortunately, it may be they did. And that is nightmarish that these immigrant workers in Louisville are being threatened with implicit violence because they won't give their money to this ideology. Don't forget, they said 23% of what you buy has to come from our businesses. That's literally what cartels do or give 1.5% of your net sales a tax, a protection tax. Do do what's right. Otherwise, we'll come back. And they did come back. Good on that business owner for standing up. You know what's going on in Portland, right? You heard about what's going on in Portland? Hold on, hold on. I'm getting ahead of myself. Sorry. This anti-crime unit in, in New York City, you know what they did? They, they, they sought to prevent gun crime. That was the point of the anti-crime unit. Anti-crime's mission was to protect New Yorkers by proactively preventing crime, especially gun violence. Shooting and murders are both climbing steadily upward, but our city leaders have decided that proactive policing isn't a priority anymore. They chose this strategy. They will have to reckon with the consequences. I'm not a big fan of the proactive policing strategy of what they were doing in New York City. Absolutely not. But you don't just snap your fingers and get rid of your anti-crime unit because a bunch of extremists made the demand. They did. Why? They couldn't deal with the riots, I suppose. You know, when these people went around smashing up businesses, they said it is easier to give the extremists what they want than stand up to them. And so they gave in. And I am telling you now, like I've told you several times, it is only a matter of time before you're at your house and they come through your neighborhood. They bang on your door and say you next. Why? What do you think cancel culture is? When they pull up your old post history, struggle sessions, they say you're a bigot and you're fired. They'll tell you in the media, cancel culture isn't real. That's a lie. But look at these big celebrities. They're still well, well off and wealthy and working. What they don't tell you about is the small business owner. They don't tell you about the regular staffer, the people who have lost their jobs and will get no attention because they don't make it to the press. Is CNN going to tell you that Black Lives Matter is using mafia tactics to extort businesses? Of course they won't. So you don't hear these stories. I am telling you now, they started going into residential areas and the police followed them in Portland, where, where they're all saying now that the feds have left, the riots have died down. Lies. The riots just moved to residential neighborhoods. That's what happened the night before. And the night before that, they went to a smaller town, Springfield, Oregon, about 100 miles south of Portland. And they marched through residential neighborhoods, fighting with police and screaming at the residents in downtown Portland. When the police backed off, there was no more shield for the regular members of the public. So they attacked local businesses, ripping their barricades off the front of their building, starting fires, and then marched through a residential neighborhood fighting with police. It kept happening. When the police are gone, there will be no one to protect you from the violent mob that shows up to your house. And you know what else we have to look forward to? The worst of it, the police who just say, whatever, tell me what to do and I'll do it. Like we saw in South Jersey, When the governor said, you can't open your business. So police showed up and arrested the business owners like the McCloskey's who defended their home from the violent mob. And what happened? 
The police came and seized their weapon, even though according to the AG, they did nothing wrong. We are watching these politicians, mostly Democrats, I mean, basically all Democrats, joining in the protests, defending them, and and essentially the riots. Mayor Bill de Blasio allows Black Lives Matter to be written in the street, but not Blue Lives Matter. There is no equality under the law. The morality government is here. And now the street morality police are going business to business demanding cash. And where will the police be? The police will do what they're told. They will enforce unconstitutional edict. And one of two things is to come soon if this doesn't stop. Now that they're coming to residential neighborhoods, it's only a matter of time before they show up to someone's house. They might bang on the door. They might protest in front. They've, done it. They've gone to Tucker Carlson's home. They've gone to the homes of Seattle politicians. They've gone to the home of the mayor of Oakland, and they vandalized these homes, including Tucker's. They showed up to the home of a conservative journalist, Cassandra Fairbanks, fi- firing fireworks at her house and, and as, as, as it's been reported, firing guns. What we can confirm, because I'm very careful on the facts here, is that it is, uh, Cassandra believes they were firing guns. And we found evidence of fireworks. That's the best I can say. But they'll come to your house and they'll vandalize it. What happens when they keep doing it? What happens when the neighbors start complaining, saying, make it stop, please? Do you know what the police are going to do? The police are going to do what they've done in many of these cities. It's easier to give in to the demands of the mob than it is to actually deal with the mob. They'll walk up to your door. They'll knock on it and say, sir or ma'am, you're under arrest. You've been accused of crimes. The mob is angry. It'll be easier if you just come with me. Don't believe me? Take a look at Dan Dix. He's an independent reporter who, uh, and this is Canada, mind you, to be fair, but he's, he's, he's at this protest and a violent mob surrounds him, screaming at him. Do you know what the police did? Did the police protect him and his rights to freely move about his city? No, they literally arrested the man. He got arrested. Of course, they released him several hours later. I don't think he got charged. I'm not sure. But that's what's going to happen. If the mob shows up to your home, the cops are going to be like, how are we supposed to deal with a violent mob? Just arrest the people they're mad at. And that's what you can expect. The other thing that'll happen is the police just say, you're on your own. That's what they did in Seattle. They said, look, we can't use our normal riot gear. So you're on your own. And they issued a letter Two people in the city saying, sorry. And what happened when the riots came out the next time they smashed up the window, stole the merchandise and burned it in the street. What do you think's happening now in Minneapolis now that they're disbanding their police? Let me show you in Minneapolis as crime skyrockets. The police just publish a letter saying you're on your own. Here's how you can protect yourself as crime is skyrocketing. That's what's going to happen in Portland. Portland police record highest number of death investigations in a single month in more than three decades. That's what happens. And once the police are gone, you want to know what you get? They show up to your business and say, now you give to us. They show up to your home. They vandalize it and they make demands. They are attacking the police and demoralizing them. Police are resigning in Minneapolis. Seattle just moved forward with a new bill to abolish the police entirely. I'm not I'm not exaggerating. Seattle residents slam defund the police as radical experiment during city budget meeting three days ago. And then we get this just uh, around the same time. Seattle City Council moved to abolish police department with new bill. Okay, all right. I've said it. I've warned you. 
Is the story of Louisville not enough for you to realize what's happening? Okay, okay, maybe maybe I'm being too hard on you guys. You're watching, so clearly you get it. You've seen the videos. You've seen the escalation. Do is 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 it fair to say that this will continue to escalate? I don't believe there is a reason to suggest that things are going to calm down. No, I think I think it's going to get worse. They're literally going to businesses in Louisville and saying, "Give us money or else." And then smashing things like we know how that is, right? From now on, you're going to buy from us. You hear? And if you don't smash that flower pot, little Jim, and then Jim goes, bam, smash that flower pot. You see how things are when you don't buy from our shops? That's what cartels do. I'll tell you what, you don't want to buy from us? Fine. We get 1.5% of your profits. Mafia tactics. I'll tell you what, Donald Trump is down in the polls, but his polls have recently started ticking up. And this is probably a delayed reaction to the polls themselves when they're done and when they're published and the violent riots we have seen. Maybe this will be what Trump needs to actually win. But I'll tell you what, man, the Democrats are on board with this. The Democrats are on board with the extremist identitarianism that we have seen throughout this country that only seems to be getting worse. For a while, it felt like it was going away. It did. And now it's worse than it's ever been. I will do I'll do what I can to support this local business in Louisville who has stood defiant in the face of this. I'm going to be following this story. And I personally, though I don't live there, I will not allow these extremist ideologues to come and suppress good, hardworking immigrants in this country. They claim to fight for marginalized people. That's a lie. They fight for power. You want to know what the best example is? First of all, I told you I would prove right what, what, what you get with no police. New York got rid of their anti-crime unit because of the demands of the protest, and they defunded the police. And now crime is worse than it's been in a long time, maybe forever. Look at the McCloskeys and look at the guy in Austin who got shot and killed. The guy in Austin was armed with a rifle, and he walked up to the car of a guy just driving through. The guy just driving through defended himself. He was apparently driving some rideshare. I'm not sure which one. The guy pointed the rifle at him, according to several witnesses. So the guy in the car fired in self-defense, called the police, turned himself in. They say he's a murderer. They say uh, this guy Garrett, who died, is a martyr. What about the McCloskeys? They were regular people. An angry mob entered their private property, and they stood legally on their property saying, get out, and they held weapons. And what does the mob say? They're evil criminals who must be prosecuted, and they want the police to arrest them. You'll see it, and you've seen it probably. Whenever something comes for these far leftists, whenever they encounter violence, they yell, call the cops, call the police. There's a funny viral tweet going around where someone's Twitter handle is abolish the police, complaining about someone threatening them and needing to file a restraining order. They don't want to abolish the police. They want to control them. And when the police are gone, they will go out with clubs and bats and they will beat you, attack you, and they will force you to do what they want. Evergreen College. We saw it and now it's coming to real life. Remember, I don't know if you've seen this photo of these college students holding baseball bats and, and, you know, posing with their weird clothes and haircuts. There's video of them marching around and smacking someone with a baseball bat. Where are we now? They have come to the real world. Well, Trump's approval rating is going up and hopefully people realize what's happening and they don't vote in the party that's supporting the fringe ideology that's engaging in these tactics. And let me make one thing clear for you. I don't like Democrats. I think they are willfully giving into the mob because they want power. And guess what? I don't like Republicans either. I don't, they're they're almost entirely bad across the board. 
There's probably, I'll tell you this, eight Republicans and three Democrats that I think are doing a decent job. You know why I call them out? Those, those 11 people specifically? Because Donald Trump tried to withdraw our troops from Afghanistan. And there were eight Republicans in the House and three Democrats who supported Trump on the endeavor. I, there's a lot of reasons I don't like Donald Trump, but he's not a Republican in the, in the, in, in, in the traditional sense. I am, I am being forced by the Democratic Party's ineptitudes to support someone I normally would never go near. And the Republican Party, I'm not a fan of them either. But I'll tell you this. The more we see the Democrats supporting the arrest of small business owners, the Democrats supporting mafia tactics against regular people and small businesses, you better believe I'm going to do everything I can to oppose them. And that's more I'm, I'm more adamant on that than I have. I'm, I'm more sure of myself than I've been on most of these issues in a long time. You want to talk about foreign policy, economics, all that stuff. Fine. Milk toast fence that are calling me that. But when I see small business owners get arrested, when I see violent mobs use mafia tactics against Cuban immigrants, yeah, I think I know where I stand and it's not with them. And if the Democrats won't decry Antifa and if Jerry Nadler says it's a myth, it's not real, and now they're going to residential neighborhoods, nope, I demand law and order. I do. But I'll tell you this, when the police enforce unconstitutional edict like they did in St. Louis and New Jersey, I am sick and tired of seeing conservatives lick their boots. Stop defending police. If they're arresting people for riding on the ground with chalk like they're doing in D.C., meanwhile, the cities are painting Black Lives Matter. Stop defending the police. I'll tell you what, as an institution, I will defend them. We need the police to stop the extremists. But insofar, you know, as far as we go with that, that's that, that's where I draw the line. Do your job. Protect civil rights. When the police cross that line, I have no problem calling them out and, and calling out the people who would defend them, bootlickers. But there's a big difference between what police are supposed to be doing, what they do when they defend our businesses from violent rioters, and those who would go and arrest small business owners and would arrest some pro-life activists for writing with chalk on the ground. If you want to put Black Lives Matter big ol' in the street, I don't care. But that means other people get their right to do the same. If you want to write Black Lives Matter in the street, fine. But if someone goes with chalk and writes, you know, a, a, a pro-life message and you arrest them, stop defending those police. I think Trump is, is going to be is going to benefit greatly from this because people are going to get scared and they're going to call for law and order. And that means all of the bad things you can criticize the president for. Well, you know what? I blame the Democrats. They could have stood up against this. They didn't. They could have. They didn't. Only now are we seeing the conversation from liberals where they're actually standing up and opposing this stuff. So maybe if they got to the party a little earlier, maybe if Joe Biden told them to shut up and knock it off, so long as they don't, I know which side I'm standing on. And it's the defense of the working class. And it is not alongside any and all police officers. You can defend the police when they're doing the right thing, generally as an institution. And you can criticize them when they're violating people's constitutional rights. That shouldn't be a problem. I'm sick of the tribalism. And I'm not saying most conservatives are doing this, but enough do. Enough. In the end, Donald Trump's approval rating in the aggregate has started to go up recently. And I believe it is a lag due to the riots. They lag behind, you know, they lag by a week or so or two weeks. We'll see how things play out. I will end by saying this. You've been warned over and over again, not just by, but by many people. You need to realize how bad things are getting. Maybe they don't get as maybe it does end here. Okay, I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not psychic. But remember when I said it was only a matter of time? I, I can't believe this. It was only a few days ago. I said sooner or later they're gonna show up to someone's house 
and say, you can't play rap music anymore. They're showing up to businesses and saying, give us your money. And then they're smashing the pot. They're vandalizing the store. So I hope you realize what comes after this. The next segment will be coming up at 6 p.m. at youtube.com slash timcastnews. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see you all next time. Last night was night 66 of the ongoing far left riots in Portland. And because the federal police no longer will engage with these extremists, many of them decided to go march through residential areas and fight with cops there where the same exact thing happened that's been happening at the courthouse. Cops were pushing on people. People were fighting with cops. Yet where's all the big press about Ted Wheeler's secret police? It was all just a fake news narrative. Now we'll get to that. But I'm sorry, my friends, I have to read this story from Andy No because I do not believe that we are living in real life anymore. This can't possibly be a true story, but apparently it is. Trump loving grandma outs Portland bomber to feds and it's her own grandson. Let me just tell you what the story is. This, this stupid Antifa guy throws an explosive at a building. People are trying to identify him. It turns out it's the same guy who held a shield up to protect the naked Athena lady, the lady who stripped nude. Somebody then finds out that on some website where they sell this fake, you know, not really bulletproof vest, they find a review saying, I bought this for my grandson and they posted a photo of it. Now, I personally could not believe that was real. I was like, no, no, no. Somebody doxed the guy, made a fake review to make fun of an Antifa guy claiming that his grandmother was supporting him or something. Then it turns out in an affidavit from the ATF, he straight up said, my grandmother bought me the vest. And then I'm facepalm. I'm like, well, I can't believe it's real. And now on top of all of it, the grandmother is a Trump supporter whose Twitter username is Trump's girl. How could this be? (laughs) This can't be real life, can it? Apparently it is. Uh, (laughs) I, I guess it is. Look, man. The ATF did an interview with the guy. He said his grandma bought it. A lady started tweeting about it. I've spoken to some other journalists who have said, yup, we've confirmed it. And there it is at the New York Post. Trump loving grandmother was providing resources inadvertently because she didn't realize what he was doing. And he's an anti. It's just, you know what, man? All right. So let's do this. Let's read this story because of its sheer absurdity. And then I'll talk to you about what was going on last night. It is, a, it is a lie. The media perpetuates, uh, or, or probably still does, yes. When DHS came out to Portland to stop the far left rioters, because they're still rioting, they're still starting fires, and now they're attacking Portland police in residential neighborhoods. They are desperate to stoke a confrontation. And if they can't get it at the courthouse, what do they do? They come to your homes. Yeah. The New York Post, Trump-loving grandma, outs Portland bomber to feds, and it's her own grandson. Truly remarkable. Andy No writes, shortly after midnight on Tuesday morning, videos captured the moment a makeshift bomb was thrown at Portland at the Portland federal courthouse during another night of violent protests. A Trump loving 69 year old woman soon stepped forward to out the suspect publicly as her own grandson. Carla Fox says she recognized the alleged bomber as her daughter's son, 18 year old Gabriel Rico, a guard burial. In the hours after the IED attack, social media users analyzed video showing a slim male wearing a distinctive olive vest with the words icons printed on it, throwing something over the fence at the Mark O'Hatfield courthouse. Seconds later, 
a large explosion erupts, covering the front door in flames. The man picks up something off the ground and sprints off camera. Police said the concussion could be heard and felt more than a block away. Fox instantly identified her grandson because she gave him the vest. I bought the vest for him after he found one online after getting hit with rubber bullets the night before at the protest, Fox told the Post. She even left a positive review on the clothing site Hibbit. I got this for my grandson, who was a protester downtown. He uses it every night and says it does the job. She posted a photo of him posing in the $26 non-bulletproof apparel. A guard Berryhill seemed to confess to misguided involvement in the incident in text messages to the Post on Thursday, although he did not confirm he was the bomber. Quote, the device I've been accused of allegedly throwing was allegedly given to me by an unknown protester with full face coverings, he wrote. I was allegedly told that it was a strobe firework that wouldn't damage the building or harm anyone around it. He added, law enforcement has not contacted me for any alleged crime as of right now. Like that same night, a guard burial told his probation officer he wanted to turn himself in. He was arrested by U.S. Marshals and booked into the Multnomah County Detention Center according to the affidavit by an ATF agent. He's charged with felony arson and faces a minimum of five years in prison if convicted. He was released without bail. He's going to get convicted or something, man. There's no way this guy walks to throw a bomb at a courthouse. He told the investigators the device he was told to throw had yellow cardboard packaging with blue stripes, was the size of a small V8 can. We, I read all this yesterday, so we'll, we'll skip through this stuff. I'm more interested in his grandmother. His grandmother claims she did not know her grandson's politics and was unaware the Portland protests now in their second month were marked by nightly rioting. Fox says when she last saw her grandson last week, he said that he was peacefully protesting at a pro- and protected a girl. A man in the same vest identified as Rico in the affidavit appears in a viral July 18th video using a shield to protect a nude protester dubbed Naked Athena. I believe all his stories, Fox says. He said he was just hanging out at Riot Ribs. It's an anarchist food co-op, I guess, and doing peaceful things. I don't condone any of this, Fox told The Post. I'm amazed at all of these events. Well, I'll tell you what, man. If you've got a Trump-supporting grandmother whose name is Trump's girl on Twitter, I'll show you her Twitter account, and she didn't know what was going on in Portland? Yikes. How many people don't know what's going on in Portland, especially if Trump supporters? I'll tell you what, man. I was at a gun shop talking to one of the proprietors of of this gun shop. And I asked him if he knew about what was happening around the country. And he said, no, I don't. And I was like, the rioting, like the mass rioting is like, don't really follow it. No, I had no idea. So these are Trump supporters. Imagine what would happen if regular people started learning more, learning more and more about this. Make sure you're, you're, you're letting people know what these crazies are doing. She says she first became aware of the video on Wednesday when a family member co- contacted her with links to Twitter. Posting under the Twitter handle, Trump's girl 2020, Fox tweeted, a response to the article with uh, a guard Hill's photo. I'm just going to show you the tweet. This is my only grandson. I love him to death and didn't know he was going to do such a bad thing. I had been posting several things about the Antifa and BLM. He knows I am against those riots big time. He chose his poison. Trump's girl. It, 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 it's his real life. You want to know why I'm just I'm waking up today you know, and I just don't believe any of this is real. There must have been a giant meteor that slammed into the earth in like October 2016. And all of us were transported to some kind of weird parallel universe or purgatory. I have no idea. It's not just about this. What if I were to tell you 
Conservatives are now arguing that feelings come before facts. Yeah, the American conservative has published an article saying, even though the data and the stats don't support what the left is saying, it's time to agree with them. I'm not surprised, man. There's a reason the country has faced a leftward lurch over every single generation of the past you know, hundred or so years. I mean, forever, really. Now, for one thing, liberty wins. And that's what we've seen. The left thinks they always win, but liberty wins. But there is a leftward lurch economically as well. And it's because conservatives eventually just give up. And I'll show you this, but let's wrap up this story here. Fox says she didn't know her obscure comments helped authorities identify the arson suspect. Her review of the vest along with the photo of her grandson is listed as a lead in the federal affidavit. Fox said her grandson is currently on probation for a felony conviction when he was a minor. She said he spent the past two years at Rogue Valley Youth Correctional Facility in Southern Oregon and recently talked of turning his life around and getting a job at Amazon. Fox spoke Thursday with the guard Barry Hill's mother, her daughter, who told her she was not aware of the bomb video. The 1211 uh, explosion was so loud that even members in a private chat room used to coordinate protests and riots expressed surprise, saying, holy F, that was the loudest explosion I've heard ever. I felt that in my effing bones, wrote another. Well, let me tell you what's going on now. 66 nights of rioting. We can all get a good ha-ha laugh at, you know, this guy's grandma outing him, Trump supporting grandmother, Antifa, grandson. What is this? But you know what? We, let's, let's get serious. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not confident, man. We've got 66 nights of rioting. Of course, the Oregonian will say protests, peaceful protests. That's right. They're peaceful as people attack cops and lob explosives. Portland's 66th day of protest include marches, rallies throughout the city, live updates. Perhaps you could headline it with, how about you say Portland's 66th day of unrest, that way we don't say riot or protest, includes marches, rallies, and rioting. How about that? They straight up say it. Take a look at this. Since federal officers have stopped their nightly tear gassing of the crowds, protest leaders attempted to shift the tenor downtown away from the block around the courthouse and back to broader issues of injustice and police brutality. Though it though that may have happened downtown, a protest on the east side of the city was declared a riot by Portland police. Protesters were allegedly throwing glass bottles and pointing lasers at police. Portland police were out in the streets pushing protesters west on Burnside and occasionally rushing into crowds and chasing protesters through residential neighborhoods. You know what? I said this would happen. Remember when I said this would happen? Have you been following my videos? When I said so long as Trump has the feds there, it will prevent them from going into the residential neighborhoods. Remember when every single one of these, these, these leftists were like, it's everything's fine in Portland. They're only surrounding this small downtown area. And I said, the police are the wall between the rioters and your businesses and your home. And when Trump sends the feds out there, the DHS, it directs the attention of the extremists to them. And so long as they're fighting, the extremists won't go to your homes. They won't go to your businesses. And there it is. Yup. Lo and behold, that's exactly what they did. Now, I had someone ask me recently. They said, Tim, you tell people to get out of cities, but then you tell everybody that they're still coming to residential areas. They're coming to your neighborhoods. So which is it? It's both. It's literally both. Come on. Do you want to live in a downtown area where there's rioting going around and there's smashing windows and businesses? You wake up in the morning, everything's trashed and there's nowhere to get food or groceries. No. If you go to a small town, you get out of the big cities, go to the suburbs or even a residential area. Yes, 
they will likely still come at some point. But as you spread out, you decrease the likelihood they actually make it to your neighborhood. Let's be honest. Let's be real. They went to a residential neighborhood, but which one? They didn't go to every neighborhood. Portland is fairly large. I believe people are saying it's 145 square miles. It's a very big city. I mean, land-wise. I mean, it's a relatively big city too with, with people and all that. But they still went to certain residential areas. You know what? You, you had your opportunity. Donald Trump could have deployed DHS to stand in front of that courthouse and make sure everyone who chose to engage in this would, would, would come to the courthouse. That's what was happening. So they said, fine, you know what? We'll move. We'll, we'll get rid of the feds. No matter what they do, if they don't stop these riots, they just make Trump look better and better every single night this happens. If the Oregon State Police did their jobs and just arrested these people, you know what? I can't say I blame them. You know why? In Portland, they keep releasing these people. I'm, I'm surprised when I follow Andy No's Twitter thread where he's like, here's three mugshots back to back of some far left extremists who was charged with a felony and has been released on bail every single time. And they keep doing it. You think at a certain point you'd be like, lock them up and throw away the key, right? Within, I'm exaggerating, okay? What, what, have the punishment fit the crime. I'm no, I'm no fan of the prison system. I think we need reform on that, on the, in that capacity. But what do you do when you have someone show up to riot, attacks a cop, gets arrested, gets released right away? They're going to come right back out. That's one of the problems with, with Portland. So here's what happens. The other day, I talked about the absurdity of letting these people burn things and, and you know, rip barricades down and, and try and smash up the businesses. There's wooden barricades in front of a bunch of buildings, and they were tearing them down and starting fires in the street, burning pig's heads and burning books. Normally, when these fires break out, you have federal officers who come out with fire extinguishers. And then when the rioters start to you know, start more fires and attack the feds, they push them back using you know, riot control weapons. Now they're not. Oregon government said, no, no, no. This is Kate Brown. She was like, we're going to send an Oregon police. Okay. The Oregon police come in and do nothing. And that was their goal. And you know what? I said, I can respect it within reason because sometimes the solution is counterintuitive and you might just want to deescalate tensions by not engaging, which means it may be better you get one night of fires and then in the end, you know, everyone calms down and goes home. The problem is, do you just open the door for fires? Look, it's one thing if they're out marching and they're blocking roads and being a nuisance. And you say, we're not going to engage. Hopefully they get tired and go away. It's another thing if they're literally trying to rip the barricades off. They're literally ripping the barricades off buildings, tearing the wood apart and starting huge fires in the streets and all in all engaging in low tier rioting. You can't allow this. You know why? It's not going to stop. And now that they've gone to the residential neighborhoods right there from Oregon or, or from the Oregonian and the police engaged them, they will be just as angry. They are already putting out their propaganda again, saying police were beating journalists and innocent people. We were just peacefully marching and these these police were beating us. There you go. Now the propaganda is, 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 is out and it's your fault, Governor Kate Brown. It's your fault, Mayor Ted Wheeler. What, 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 what's, what's Trump got to do with this? Now, of course, are we going to see the mainstream press in this country come out and be like, Ted Wheeler, secret police, unmarked, wearing masks, going around beating people. Of course not. These, these, these uh, Portland police, the state police, they're dressed similarly to the feds. They've got, you know, the armor on, the masks, the helmets. They got riot weapons. And the feds had their identifiers on their arms. But the lie emerged, unidentified federal police. They don't say the same thing about Portland. 
But now they're coming into your residential neighborhoods. Yeah. So you know what? I wonder if each and every one of these people is now going to be some kind of Trump supporter. Because like I mentioned, I've talked to a lot of people that didn't know this was happening. We saw that that Trump loving grandmother didn't know it was happening. I wonder if these people now know it's happening. When the, when the riots came to their neighborhood and the police were fighting outside and they also went to Springfield, Oregon, 100 miles south just the other day, it's not stopped. It won't stop. These people are, are, are crazy and they're agitated. They're zealous and they want the fight. The only thing you can do is arrest the people breaking the law and, and put them in jail. They're breaking the law. They're attacking people. They're harassing people. They're damaging businesses and starting fires. And for some reason, they keep getting released. Well, you know what? I blame them because I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. Donald Trump said, hey, we're going to take care of it. They said, no. Okay. So the federal, uh, the federal uh, officers are inside the courthouse. They're not going to engage. So these people go to the neighborhoods. I'll tell you what, there you go. That's what you get. Andy Noah has a series of tweets. Antifa gathered in a residential area of Portland to attack a Portland police building. They've been pushed far back. We also have Antifa are trashing a southeast Portland residential neighborhood in an effort to slow down Portland police who are moving them away from the facility they were attacking with glass bottles. Person in black block carries what looks like a loaded rifle to the protest outside the Portland federal courthouse. The area has been subject to intense violence in recent month, months, including violence between protesters involving guns. And there it is. Now, I suppose, you know, what, what I, I'm, I'm saying I suppose, because I don't know the full legalities of bringing a gun to these situations, but open carry is legal. However, it might not be legal to carry a rifle while wearing a mask in full black block and showing up to a riot. That actually might be illegal. I'm confident. It, it, I, I feel like it probably is. And I'll tell you what, man, as this goes on, I'm not, I'm not, uh, uh, I'm not confident. You know, a lot of people get mad at me. They say that I'm being pessimistic and all this stuff. And it's like, listen, man, when you have 50 plus cities declare racism a public health crisis, which is completely meaningless, and they start calling for this weird intersectionalism training across the board, when Bill de Blasio sanctions and defends with 27 police a political message in the street and then denies anyone when they request a similar message, Blue Lives Matter, they wanted to put a mural in the street in front of uh, police headquarters. The Blasio said no. So he so file suit, hopefully. But you see how deeply ingrained this fringe cult is becoming in our government. And what do we hear from conservatives? Not all of them, of course. This is just one organization. It's one outlet. The American conservative writes, more than a few bad apples. Why conservatives should back police reform? Interesting. Why should conservative conservatives back police reform. Now, I'll be, I'll be, be completely honest. I think for, I don't know, just methodol- methodological reasons or, or whatever, methodology uh, could be changed, that we could figure out better ways. We can improve upon policing and incarceration and generally just make the system function better. We can't just assume that we built upon the system from you know a couple hundred years ago. It's going to be functioning to the best of its ability. We're smart people, right? We can come up with a better plan. However, the argument from the American conservative is great. Here's what they say. The nation. <laughs> oh, man. They say in the wake of Floyd's death, the distinction is pointless. It no longer matters if statistics or studies parse out to reveal racism in policing because society is more than statistics. The nationwide agony and anger over millions of black American uh, of millions of black Americans, agony that knows no class or geographic barriers is evidence enough. That's right. 
feelings care more about your facts, says the American conservative. So, you know, you know what I see, man? Conservatives eventually just bend the knee. They do it on all of these different issues throughout my life. They eventually just give up. They sit back and it happens. They'll complain about it for a long time. Then the left will win on some certain issue and then they'll say, yeah, well, fine, whatever. And I think a lot of this is actually a good thing. We've progressed in a lot of really great ways so long as we're expanding liberty. But now the left is being dominated by authoritarians. And what do we get from the American conservative? Just give up and give in because feelings are more important than your facts. Let me, let me, let me lay some facts out for you. Early on in Facebook, the algorithm incentivized shock content, particularly anger inducing content. You can watch a video from CGP Grey called This Video Will Make You Angry that explains it. People share a content that makes them angry more than anything else. Another popular form of content is justice. This was the perfect storm. You see a video of a police officer who's supposed to be there to protect you, violating someone's rights and you want justice. So you you get angry and you share that video. This was some of the most popular content on Facebook for years. Some websites were making, I mean, I'm assuming millions of dollars literally doing nothing but police brutality content. The only problem, it was skewing people's perception of what police actually did. So let's talk about statistics. Should, should we reform police in some capacity? I think it's fair to say, sure, we can figure out better ways of doing policing. That's fine. But do we need to abolish, defund, or treat all cops as, as bad? Absolutely not. But our perspective is skewed because this kind of content makes money. A video of a cop beating a guy makes money for these news outlets. A video of a guy beating a cop, no one cares. And guess what? It's substantially more likely that a cop will be attacked, injured, or killed by a a suspect than the other way around. Why isn't that the predominant narrative when it's the fact? Because feelings are more important, apparently, and the American conservative agrees. So I I guess when I look at stories like this, I just shake my head. You know what's going to happen? We're going to have a government run by people's feelings and then things will stop working properly. And that's kind of the way it's going, isn't it? I'll leave it there. They're going to keep rioting. They don't care if the feds are there or not. They are just extremists. And of course, it's going to continue to get worse and people will get hurt. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then. The owners of Atlas Gym in South Jersey who had been arrested for trying to open their business returned and kicked the door down forcefully re-entering their business to reopen it. New Jersey, where this business is, uh, exists, has betrayed the working class. The Democrats of New Jersey have betrayed the working class. And it's not just about this, Jim. It's about a story that I find absolutely shocking, especially as a small business owner in New Jersey. Take a look at this. New Jersey Assembly OK's bill allowing undocumented immigrants to obtain professional licenses. So if they want to be like a pharmacist or whatever, the state said, you got it. Let me get this straight. The people who live here, the people who run businesses will be arrested for trying to run this business. I want to I want to I want to point something out. You see this image. If you walk straight past where these two guys are, it's a dollar general right there. I believe it's a dollar general. People walk in and out all day, nonstop buying stuff. It's essential. Now I get it. But you mean to tell me that a small gym with a small handful of people can't operate? but people can go in and out of any other business. What they're doing is unconstitutional. 
sending in police to arrest these men is extreme. And at the same time, while people have lost their jobs, you are saying non-citizens are now entitled to professional licenses. So they become doctors and pharmacists and other specialists. They're not here for the working class. They're not here for their constituents. They are selling us out to multinational corporate interests. You know, what's really funny about all this. Everything they're doing, destroying these small businesses is that you'd think the left would be calling this out. You'd think the left who cared about the working class and these two guys who are, as far as I can tell, by no means wealthy, the left would be defending them against the state. Where's Antifa to say the state should not be forcing these people to shut down? Where's Antifa to be saying they should not be arrested for this? Remember Bernie Sanders? For years, Bernie Sanders warned that increased immigration would lower the wages of U.S. workers. Now he barely mentions it. This story from March of this year. The Democrats have betrayed us. They are selling us out to special interests who want cheap labor. Bernie Sanders said it in 2015 before he sold his soul. He said it is a far right proposal, open borders. It's the wealthy industrialists who run these massive corporations who want to flood the United States with cheap labor so they don't have to pay health care and wages. They will forcefully they, they, they want to maximize the supply of workers. And now they're doing it more and more. It's another uh, another reason they want open borders. And this, according to Bernie Sanders, is so that and this is free trade. More specifically, they can put their factories in foreign countries where they don't have to pay for health care, union costs, etc. Once again, making everything cheaper for the wealthy ultra elites. And the weirdest thing happens just the other day. <laughs> Donald Trump tweets out slamming wealth inequality. Why? Donald Trump is a populist. He is actually working to help the American people. Now, you might not like him for a lot of reasons, and there's a lot of reasons I don't like him personally. But at this point, it has gone too far. This year has really pulled the mask off of the Democrats. Not, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not kidding. And this is not to say Republicans are good. I'm saying Democrats are bad. Guess what? I don't like Republicans either. They're all trash. But you know what? I live in, a, I live in New Jersey. I have watched what this governor has done spitting in the face of those of us who run businesses here. And guess what? I'm out. I'm taking my business with me. One of the few small businesses that hasn't been negatively impacted by COVID that for the most part, I would say we, I keep, I keep on keeping on, right? I make videos. So I'm sure there's some hidden effects, but for me, it's business as usual. That's a privilege I have. But what about these two guys who run a gym? They wanted to have just a few people coming into their gym. And what did the governor do? He had them arrested for it. He even some guy, I think it was a couple of months ago, got arrested after coming out of the gym. They say, no, by edict, we have shut you down. You can't do that. And then what do you get from the left? They say, if only these stupid Trumpsters would just lock down for a couple of weeks, it would have been over a long time ago, 15 days to slow the spread. Even in places that don't have massive outbreaks, we're seeing the same thing. People getting arrested, fined, and shut down. Why? Because the working class has been betrayed. I'll tell you what, man. My business is successful, and I am leaving this state, and I cannot leave soon enough. We are trying to get out as fast as possible. It's because, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, we can talk about taxes and the, and the governor and him marching with Black Lives Matter and spitting in the face of churches and small business. But I'll tell you what, when you arrest small business owners, 
when you arrest them. You have crossed the line. New Jersey's talking about releasing prison inmates, something like 20%. But they're going to arrest these guys. People have lost their jobs. Unemployment is skyrocketing. And what do they do? We're going to make sure non-citizens now have access to the labor market. To me, this is an absolute knife in the back. I can't say I'm surprised. New Jersey is trash. I have run my business out of here for nearly for, for just about four years. And my business has been growing. It's been very successful. And many of you who've been following, following me for a long time have noticed that my channels are growing. There's more people involved. Yes, I was planning on buying a building out here and running a business in New Jersey. Why? I was like, if only we could make this place cooler. Maybe we could make something cool happen. No, not here anymore. And that was probably naive and stupid of me. I'm moving away from this place, and I'm going to be very careful about how I expand my businesses moving forward, no matter which state I go to. Let's see what's going on with these guys over at Atlas who kicked in the door after being arrested for running their business. The Philadelphia Inquirer reports, owners of the Atlas gym in Belmar kicked down the plywood boards covering their business's doorway Saturday morning and ushered in dozens of clients for workouts. The latest move in a months-long standoff with government officials over New Jersey's coronavirus-related restrictions. Owners Ian Smith and Frank Trombetti allowed 40 to 50 customers to work out in the gym at once, which Smith said was less than 25% of the building's capacity. As customers waited in line Saturday morning, many said they couldn't wait to get back to their regular workouts. Smith acknowledged it was likely, the law, it was likely that law enforcement would soon arrive to force them to close again, as has happened several times since Atlas reopened in May. At a meeting Tuesday, Belmar officials will consider revoking the gym's business license, according to a letter Smith received. Governor Murphy has weaponized the police force against us over and over. No, sh- stop. I'm done with this. The police are oppressing you. Stop licking boots and call out these nasty cops who violate the Constitution, period. There are good cops who have stood up and said, I refuse to enforce edict. We've seen it when they tried imposing these gun laws. How many shares popped up saying not going to do it? There are certain things the government isn't supposed to be able to do. But if these cops want to go around and enforce edict, well, then call them out. I think he looks foolish the way he's treating us. He's pulling out all the stops. You have to ask, how far will one man go to destroy a small business? (laughs) Are you kidding? Oh, man. I know I'm not laughing at these guys. I'm laughing about the idea. Like, you want to know how far he'll go? I'll show you how far he'll go. NJ Assembly okays bill allowing undocumented immigrants to obtain professional licenses. Yeah. And the governor is going to sign it. Okay, great. Now, we've got people who actually live here who pay taxes and they've lost their jobs. Their businesses have closed. One of my favorite restaurants no longer exists in my area. And I'm and I'm and I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. So I'm getting out of here. It's, 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 it's a tough circumstance. I'll admit, I get it. But how can, it's one thing if you're like, I'm sorry, we have to shut things down. 15 days to slow the spread times 10. It's one thing to be upset. It's another thing to, to at the same time say, we're going to arrest these guys, let these guys out of prison. And then we're going to let people who aren't citizens just come here and get licenses to work. But your small business gone. Atlas, which has become a symbol of the frustration some residents and small business owners feel over the state's ongoing COVID restrictions, closed in March along with other gyms, restaurants, and a range of businesses that were ordered to cease operations to control the virus's spread. In May, riding a wave of publicity from a tour of several Fox News appearances and support from Atlas members, the owners opened the gym, 
the fight has escalated. Last month, they were held in contempt of court after a superior court judge in Camden ruled that Atlas must comply with an executive order by Governor, Governor Phil Murphy that limits indoor gyms use to individual training sessions. Smith and Trumbetti took the doors off the hinges to prevent the state from changing the locks again. <laughs> wow. This is getting spicy. On Monday, they were arrested, each charged with contempt, obstruction, and a violation of a disaster control act. The Camden County Sheriff's Office boarded up the entrance to the gym. Around 8 a.m. Saturday, Smith and Trombetti kicked and forced in the boards as supporters and gym members cheered them on, then replaced the doors on the replaced the doors on their hinges. Several dozen people watched from the parking lot, many waving American flags and listening to patriotic music blasting from speakers in front of the gym. Several attendees had traveled from other parts of New Jersey, and some waved anti-Murphy signs or wore pro-Trump accessories. At one point, after a song expressing support for President Donald Trump, Smith asked a supporter who was managing the music to ensure that no partisan music be played. Not everybody is on the same page, he said. We don't talk politics in the gym. Wow. Smith said, he and Trebetti spent thousands of dollars implementing safety regulations based on what other gyms have been asked to follow. Inside the air-conditioned facility, clients receive contactless temperature screenings, are asked to sign waivers, and are given their own bottles of spray disinfectant to use while moving among machines. Masks are not required, unlike in gyms that have reopened in neighboring states, such as Pennsylvania. Smith said, that an air purifier has been installed and that no COVID-19 cases have been traced to the facility, despite logging more than 13,000 visits from members in the recent weeks. You can do this safely, he said. You can't say that all gyms have bad ventilation. Some might, but to put them all in one category shows you don't understand discrepancies and nuance. It shows you are not actually interested in helping small business. Atlas members who used the gym Saturday said the owners were doing a good job of managing the health risks of working out. Joe Wick Wickersham, who worked out Saturday morning, said it was big enough inside for members to keep their distance. It's a gr it's great what they are doing, and it's a shame it's come to this, he said. Obviously, the governor is just picking and choosing what businesses can open. Yeah, because just across the river over in, Philadelphia, uh, in Pennsylvania, apparently gyms are reopening. Now, look, man, I'm not here to condemn or condone what these men are doing. It's 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 very, very difficult to figure out what is the right thing to do. But I will criticize the governor for supporting mass protests and Andrew Cuomo. All of these states that have joined in, you have no right to criticize people who want to run their businesses when only a small handful of people will be operating inside the business. When you go out and march side by side and then what do we get? Anthony Fauci saying, well, I'm, I'm not here to talk about the, 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 the protests. I can't opine on what the governments can and can't do. Anthony Fauci will come out and tell us what businesses should or shouldn't be allowed to operate. But then when asked directly about the protests, he'll say, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't want someone throwing a brick through my window, right? It's basically what he's saying. Now, listen, maybe maybe these gym owners shouldn't be forcing their business open. OK, I'm not I'm, again, not, I'm not here to condemn or condone. I mean, in fact, I'd be I will be to a certain degree. I will be slightly critical of kicking the doors in and. It's, it's, it's tough to know what the right thing to do is. But I'll tell you what the wrong thing is, is the governor arresting them. It's the governor issuing these edicts to shut down these businesses. It was supposed to be 15 days, and now it's stretching out to 130 plus. 
We, we've got to figure out a, a better way to solve these problems. We're already hearing now the CDC is apparently saying there's going to be serious health risks if we don't reopen schools. How could it be that we're being told there'll be mass starvation, that kids need schools, yet for some reason the media and the Democrats keep saying the inverse? We, we, we're learning about how this stuff uh, spreads, and it turns out that going outside is actually one of the best things we can do. Yet still, after all this time, they haven't changed any of their strategies. To me, it's, it's, it's frankly absurd. The only thing I can really say, man, is the, the reason why I would say I'm slightly critical to, about kicking the door in, though I can understand and respect you know, them standing up for their rights, my concern is escalation. And we're, we're, we're really, really close to an election. Peaceful protest is, is the right way to go about doing these things. And maybe what they're engaging in is civil disobedience, which have to be very careful about escalation. That's all I can really say. And I'll tell you why. Listen, when the rioters got out of hand, it actually started hurting the left wing cause. And that made me angry. If you really want to stand up for you, what you believe in, you do it peacefully and it works. It's a fact, man. I've shown you all the data. When they went out and marched, approval for Black Lives Matter skyrocketed. It was great for them. But once they started rioting, it began to backfire. And this made Trump look good and made Trump out to be the law and order candidate. This is why I say I lean slightly critical on kicking the doors in. I got I got I got to tell you, look, deep down, I'm I'm like, I'm glad to see people stand up for their rights, be it Black Lives Matter lying down in the street peacefully and people engaging in civil disobedience and saying it's my business. I can do what I want. But I'll tell you this, man. Optics matters. And you've got to make sure that you're, you're, you're engaging in peaceful, nonviolent civil disobedience. Call what you want, Natalis, whatever, whatever you want. I'm just saying, let's be careful, because if this comes to the point where other people start kicking doors in and it gets, you know, it's going to swing negatively just before an election. I, I'm, look, man, I'm sorry. I'll just tell you this. I don't have all the answers. I don't. That's why I'll just say I don't condemn or condone the actions they're taking. And I can respect people standing up for their rights. I'm just warning, keep in mind how when once the far left started rioting, how much that helped Trump. And if the right started doing something similar, it's going to hurt Trump really, really bad. This is about voting out these people who would violate our rights while we have a chance to do so. The election's coming up really soon. I don't know what this means for New Jersey. Me personally, I'm leaving. I know the guys over at Atlas can't do that. I respect them for standing up for their rights. Let's just get through an election see what happens. And hopefully all of these people who violated our rights are taken out. And I'll tell you what, one step further. If you are a police officer who violated the rights of somebody because you were told to, I hope you get fired. The left likes to to prop up these people defending police as bootlickers. And I get it, man. If the cops follow unconstitutional orders and say, I'm sorry, you have to do this. And then you just apologize for them. No, 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 no. I'm not. You, you, you can absolutely when the cops come to your door and they say, you know, hand over your like, they're going to seize your weapons for an investigation, comply and criticize them. Vote for someone who will hold them accountable. This is why I think there is a good argument for police reform, as we've seen how many cops across this country enforcing unconstitutional orders. They're literally breaking the law in front of our faces and everything's breaking down. Listen to this. I don't I don't need to get too much into what they're doing with this assembly bill. I just wanted to highlight this because it feels like they're punching me and many others in the gut at a time when businesses are suffering. Okay, providing professional licenses to undocumented immigrants. Okay, I'll tell you what. 
I, I have abs- absolutely have sympathy for people who want to come to America and live better lives. This country is fantastic. But you have to understand that when it comes to undocumented immigrants, they're, they're jumping the line. They are literally oppressing good law-abiding immigrants who are fighting to join the system to live a better life. These people are literally oppressing legal immigrants. You have to understand, we have rules in place for a reason. We have people who have just lost their jobs in this state. And now if you're going to jump the line, come to, the, come to this state and think you have a right to take those jobs away, there are other legal immigrants who have played by the rules. Let me, let me put it this way. Maybe this is, a way, this is something the left could understand. Let's say that you are going to college and you paid all of your loans and then you're, you know, you're, you're in class and then finally someone says, I'm really sorry. You know, you've been here for four years. You've paid all this money. We're not going to be able to give you your degree, even though you followed all the rules. And you'll say, whoa, 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 why can't I get my degree? You see, there's only a certain number and we're giving it to this person who just showed up yesterday. And you're going to be like, but that's not fair. I paid into this system. I'm supposed to get my job now. I understand the analogy is not perfect. The point I'm making is there's a finite amount of jobs. If you want to get a professional license and get a job when they're shutting down all of these jobs and you're now unemployed and then they bring in more people to to work in your field, making it harder for you to get, you know, your job. Well, there you go. You've played by the rules. You've done everything right. And now they're opening the door to other people. So you have to fight harder than ever. It's no wonder so many of these college students are becoming communist and socialist. Let me let, let me let me get to the point on the Atlas thing. It's a um, let, let me let me just be honest. There's 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 very specific language I have to be careful about using lest this video get deleted by YouTube. Keep that in mind. But I also want to make sure that as people stand up and engage in nonviolent civil disobedience, which is a very good thing, which you can get arrested for, we need to make sure that optics are on the rights of the working class, the people to challenge the system peacefully and to show just how awful and oppressive these systems can be. When Antifa goes around trying to burn down buildings, and then I don't know if you've seen the Sticks Hexenhammer meme where it's the guy with the communist flag bandana saying, the government will let me burn down buildings. We live in a fascist state. That's the perfect understanding of what the far left is. But when you see two small business owners get arrested, let me tell you something. That's going to bump Donald Trump up in the polls and the Republicans up in the polls substantially. The Democrats are stupid to be pulling this kind of ridiculous, unconstitutional action. So they will reap what they have sown. This is what they can expect. The more they pass laws like this, the more they oppress hardworking small business owners, there will be a a revolt. Now, I'll tell you what scares me. It scares me that New Jersey is probably going to stay blue and nobody will care this is happening. And then businesses will leave and there will be less jobs. There will be more undocumented immigrants trying to find jobs that they can't. And I don't, I don't, I don't know what else uh, will happen, but the residents here will suffer. And these states will flatten, I suppose, in terms of uh, population density. They'll start spreading out, looking for work in other places. And then as the tax base erodes, the cities will face an increasing crime. The police force will start collapsing. And then, yeah, you can predict what happens next. But I'll leave it here, man. I live really close to the guys over at Atlas. So again, not condemning or condoning. I can respect nonviolent civil disobedience. Keep in mind the optics. And I will see you all at 4 p.m. over at TimCast.net. In addendum to my main channel video about Black Lives Matter 
groups extorting people. I wanted to follow up on this story about Minneapolis telling people to basically just give up. You're on your own. And when the criminals come for you, well, there's not much you can do. This advice is common. It's typical. It's not new. I mean, the Minneapolis Police Department, soon to be disbanded, I might add, is giving advice that many cities actually give to people and I don't like or agree with. We've seemed to have turned into a society that no longer cares about individual responsibility, like self-defense, right? And I think it's obvious when you look at how the left views gun control issues. It's better off that you give up and give in to the criminals than defend yourself. I understand why they feel that way. They don't want people to lose their lives. There have been many stories where shop owners have defended themselves from lethal force from armed robbers only to have the family of the armed robbers get angry saying, well, you didn't have to kill him. He didn't have to rob the store. Listen, I don't like the idea that someone comes up to you and threatens you and tries to rob you. And then you basically just be like, "Okay, take all my stuff. I won't do anything to stop you. Because if criminals actually feared that people would fight back, they would be less inclined to engage in crime. But we keep telling people not to protect yourself and to just give up, creating the opportunity for crime. And that's why in certain countries, the U.S. will not negotiate with terrorists. If they kidnap an American, the U.S. says there's only one thing you get, a helicopter commando raid, and we come in and kill everyone in the building except the American citizens. Other countries will give in. Thus, these extremists now know to kidnap non-Americans because that's where the money is at. You see the point? Let's read the story and see exactly what's going on. Breitbart reports Minneapolis Police Department advises residents to give in to criminals. They say the robbery prevention tips were circulated by the department and reported by local ABC affiliate KSTP5. They advise the city is suffering an increase in robberies and carjackings, especially in the third precinct. That, <laughs> that's, that's where they burned down the police department. The area of the city in which George Floyd was killed in police custody and rioters destroyed the police headquarters. I wonder why there's no police to prevent the crime from happening and why you now have no choice but to just give up and give the criminals whatever they want. They say others posted the tips on social media. Hennepin County Police and Fire Monitoring said, look, another email on how to be a perfect victim in Minneapolis crime just came out. But wait, Mayor Frey says Minneapolis is a safe, vibrant place. Kyle Hooten says Minneapolis city government tells residents to be ready to give up their phones and wallets and to always cooperate with criminals. Well, I want to pull up this. I want to pull up the full post, but here's the actual image. They say 100 robberies and 20 carjackings have been reported to the third precinct police in July alone. Downtown and southwest Minneapolis have seen an increase as well. We want those who live and work here to be safe. Here are some robbery prevention tips. Do not walk alone. (laughs) Sounds like victim shaming to me. What if I want to walk alone? It's not my fault if I get robbed. Be hyper aware of your surroundings at all time. Pay attention. (laughs) More victim shaming. Carry only items you need and carry less cash. Be prepared to give up your cell phone and purse or wallet. This is my favorite, my favorite of the bunch, because it implies that even if you're not expecting to get, you know, robbed, Have your phone, wallet, purse, keys in hand. Just as you walk, be ready so that when someone comes up to you, say, here you go. (laughs) Why would you be ready to do so? If someone came up to me and said, give me your stuff. Well, me personally, I'd probably say no. But if I was going to, like they had gone or something, I'd say, okay, let me grab my wallet. I wouldn't be prepared, like holding it like, yes, here you are. Me personally, though, 
I'm, I don't know. I find myself to be a bit obstinate and perhaps crazy. I'd probably say no, no matter what. And I, and I mean that. Now, some people might think I'm just talking tough. Quite literally, I've actually been mugged before and I just, I'm just, I just ignore the guy. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. It's just, I don't know, just me. I maybe I'm a bit nihilistic in that regard, I guess. Have keys already in your hand as you approach the car. This is arguably bad advice, um, especially depending on how you hold your keys, because, well, I'm not going to get into that, but uh, sure, sure. Despite all our efforts, robberies may still occur. Do not argue or fight with the criminal. Do as they say. Your safety is most important. This is true. Your safety is most important. In many circumstances, you're better off giving up whatever you have because you'll get to live. Living is better than, you know, dying over a cell phone or something. However, why does it have to be this way? Has it always been this way? If somebody, like, could you imagine, you know, like Wild West, somebody walking up to him like, give me all your stuff. And everybody, everybody was armed back then to varying degrees. I'd imagine people would be like, no. Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe back then they were like, make sure if a a bandit comes, just hand over everything. Be a good witness. When you call 911, be prepared to answer many questions. Okay, listen, they're straight up saying that crime is skyrocketing. It's skyrocketing for one simple reason. It's skyrocketing because the police precinct burned down and there aren't police in the area. Or I'm maybe I'm wrong about that's an assumption, but they did burn down the police department, which does strain police resources. Minneapolis published uh, released this letter saying, Robberies and carjackings have increased in our precinct. Cell phones, purses, and vehicles are being targeted. Some victims have been maced, dragged, assaulted, and some threatened with a gun. Most of these crimes have occurred north of 42nd Street East. What? They're being dragged and assaulted and threatened with guns? Can the people of Minneapolis defend themselves? I know in some places they can't. Carjacking prevention tips. Always be aware of your surrounding. Use tracking devices. Don't leave anything valuable in your car. Memorize your license plate number. Yeah, 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 yeah. We get it. This is what happens when this is what happens when you defund the police. Now, why are the police being defunded? You may have seen my 4 p.m. segment. If you didn't go over to TimCast.net, check it out. Let's talk about what it's. I'm sorry. It's the media. OK, it's very obvious They're why they're trying to defund the police, I think, is tribal. But I bring you now to how the media persists in the fake news narrative. Did the Seattle police chief tell residents we cannot enforce the law? You are on your own. And they say, false. Really? The Seattle police never said that. Ah, guess what? It's because someone tweeted, Christopher Rufo tweeted figuratively, kind of just emphasizing a point. What Seattle really said in a letter was that due to constraints on the police force, we cannot come out during a riot. Sorry. They didn't verbatim say we can't enforce a law. You're on your own. But they may as well have said that. That's the gist of their letter. Snopes writes it false. So what happens is people will see the story. They'll see Snopes that it's false and they'll walk away. The reality is the story is true. Seattle did tell their residents they couldn't enforce the police, but they didn't use that specific phrase, the paraphrase used by Chris Rufo. They, they say on Snopes, what's true? On July 24th, Seattle Police Chief Carmen Best wrote to residents that a city ordinance prohibiting police from using crowd control weapons would mean her officers would have no ability to safely intercede to preserve property in the midst of a large violent crowd. What's false? Best did not utter or write the words. Okay, okay, okay. We got a serious problem in this country, man. You know what that problem is? It appears that most of the left don't, they have no concept of figurative, uh, alliterative, (laughs) figurative statements, jokes, nuance, uh, semantics. I don't know. Listen, Everything to them is literal, 
verbatim, period. Trump says a joke and they go, <gasps> Trump speaks off the cuff and they say, did he literally mean? Maybe it's because their brains lack the ability. Or it could be, you know, and, and Snopes could be a product of that. Or maybe they're intentionally lying and pretending they don't understand. But I'll tell you what's happening. Seattle said basically the same thing that Minneapolis did, that we're not going to be able to protect you because of the constraints put on us because of the left. Snopes then puts out a story saying, it's not true. No one really said this specific phrase. Donald Trump could say something like, I am a big fan of pepperoni pizza. Then someone will post a, a quote where it's like Trump says he likes pizza. And then they'll do fact check. False. Trump never said he liked pizza. And people will be like, oh, but he, he said he, he, he enjoys pizza. You see, you see how they change the words? Yes, literally, they're not saying this. The point I'm trying to make, when Snopes does things like this and other outlets do this, they make it so that you continue to support things not in your best interest. Notably, Joe Biden does literally support defunding the police. But wait, Tim, that's fake news. PolitiFact says Joe Biden has pushed back against this. When asked if Joe Biden would support redirecting funds away from police, he said, yes, absolutely. According to the Brookings Institute and many activists, defund the police means not to strip all funding, but to redirect some funding. To which Joe Biden answered, yes, absolutely. What more do you want? Joe Biden didn't say abolish the police. He does support increasing funding in certain areas, but he did agree with the core idea of what defunding the police is. The media then argues semantics to confuse you because they are desperate. Please vote for Biden, our horrifying puppet candidate who can't even stand up, let alone debate or talk straight. That's what they're doing. Journalism has become a political advocacy arm of the Democratic Party for the most part. There's still some good journalism left. Conservative journalism argues conservative points. There's very few conservative outlets. But mainstream press is basically just the Democratic Party as far as I'm concerned. There's a certain story about a certain former U.S. president who is seen on a certain island with certain young people. You get the point. Bill Clinton, where's the news about this? Nobody, they're not going to do it. Why? Because the New York Times and every other outlet, they're just arms of the Democratic Party as far as I'm concerned. I'm, and guess what? Now, now Snopes will say, do news organizations work for the Democratic Party? False. And they'll say, Tim Poole engaging in a strange conspiracy theory. No, it's, it's euphemism. It's hyperbole. The point, I'm, the point I'm making is that news organizations just espouse things framed in such a way that often benefits the Democratic Party. Sure. Take that one with you. I got a couple more segments coming up in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. Evil, corrupt, fascistic, far-right Donald Trump is now coming out opposed to income inequality? Okay, I was kidding about those names about Trump, but you get the joke I'm making. They say all these things about Trump, far-right, you know, propping up the billionaires and all that stuff. Donald Trump tweeted in response to this story from Business Insider, so let me let me tell you what Business Insider said. They said, while 40 million Americans filed for unemployment during the coronavirus pandemic, billionaires saw their net worth increase by half a trillion dollars, to which Donald Trump said, I actually agree with this. Too much income disparity. Changes must be made and soon. What? <laughs> I saw this tweet and I was like, conservative Republican candidate Donald Trump comes out opposed to income disparity. Wow. This guy's trying to make me vote for him, huh? Now, here's what I tweeted. 
ingenious move. Donald Trump, tr- Donald Trump opposes income inequality, forcing Democrats to support it. Yes, I kid you not. He has put them in a very strange situation. Cameron Caskey tweets, we stand socialist Trump. I like it. I'd like to see him actually address income disparity. I don't like the idea of CEOs making, you know, 10,000 per, you know, times or 10,000% what their employees are making. I don't know how how you actually deal with this. In my opinion, I think it's mostly a cultural issue. And I believe a lot of this was actually being solved by, by Donald Trump, uh, reducing unemployment numbers, getting more people jobs. We have, a, there's, there's a lot of problems we have. There's, a, uh, there's an issue with per, uh, particularly immigration and market competition. Donald Trump was dealing with these things in such a way, bringing back factories, you know, securing our borders that resulted in less supply of low income workers, increasing competition, increasing their wages and decreasing wealth disparity. This is actually a real thing. Well, now you've got leftists actually cheering for Trump. And surprise, surprise, in response to Trump tweeting about this, there are a bunch of people insulting him, saying like, you're, you're still a Cheeto dictator fascist. And it's like, you, you know what, man, when the president comes out and says something good, you know, my response is, huh, cool, good for him, because I don't have Trump derangement syndrome. And therein lies the big problem. I don't have derangement syndrome for anybody. I think some people get hyper obsessed with Joe Biden. They get hyper obsessed with Hil- obsessed with Hillary Clinton. They get obsessed with AOC. And I think all of these people, including Trump, are worthy of criticism. When Joe Biden came out and said, find, arrest and prosecute the extremists, the Antifa, I said, here, here, Joe Biden. I agree. Thank you. It's that easy. When Donald Trump comes out and and decries income disparity, I say, awesome. (laughs) This this speaks to me. I'm, I'm, I'm center left on a lot of economic issues. I, I believe in a mixed economy. I'm not, I'm not for laissez-faire capitalism. I'm definitely not for socialism. I think that's way worse. I would prefer a laissez-faire system over a communist or socialist system. But I do think the mixed economy works really, really well. Some regulation, public, you know, public funds and taxes, and, you know, a typically free market. I say typically. We got, we got, we got regulation problems. Let's be real. If Donald Trump wants to come out in favor of this, it makes me happy. And guess what? The reality is 61% of Americans say there is too much income inequality, economic inequality in the country today, but views differ by political party and household income. Let's read this. They say, Pew Research, among Republicans and those who lean toward the GOP, 41% say there's too much income inequality compared with 78% of Democrats and Democratic leaners. That literally makes sense for someone like me. You need to understand something and this is for the left. I think, I mean, you know, for everybody, look, the the leftists would try to argue that I'm conservative because I call out Antifa and violence and all that stuff. Nope. They try to argue that I'm conservative for opposing their weird PC cancel culture nonsense. Nope. I'm anti-authoritarian, but I'm basically a liberal and have been most of my life. I was actually kind of far left when I was younger. And then, you know, once I actually read some books and learned some things about economics, now I'm just a regular old liberal mixed economy and all that jazz. Certainly not a conservative. But right now, the way I feel is more represented in the polls the way many other liberals feel. In fact, when I I took the the hidden tribes test. So the hidden tribes actually plots you as progressive activist, traditional liberal, moderate, passive, etc. It said I was a traditional liberal. When I took the eight values test, I'm also a liberal. That's why I've never been a big fan of Trump because he's actually kind of center right. But it's also why I don't have Trump derangement syndrome, because he's not that far away from me politically compared to the fringe lunatics of the far left. Guess what? 
the majority, there's a majority of Americans who believe income inequality is a serious problem in this country. So I will, I will applaud Donald Trump for calling it out. It starts with awareness, man. If people don't know it's a problem, then we can't deal with it. And I'll tell you why it's a problem in, a sim- in simple terms. People don't like struggling to find paths to success. If there's no chance at, at bettering yourself, then people give up. This is a problem we have with college students today. College is a mistake. College loans are a mistake. And that's why I'm also in favor of some kind of forgiveness program, which Donald Trump has also talked about. And I'm pretty sure it's been a while that he implemented a a college forgiveness for for military vets, I I believe for uh, disabled vets. When you get a bunch of young people who take on these massive loans because they were were young and dumb and didn't know better, go to college and now can't find a job and are are laden with this massive debt, guess what? They vote for communists. Why? There's no path towards success and they drag everybody down with them. This is also an issue of income inequality. When people, can't, when, when, when you see stagnation on, uh, for, for wages among most of the you know, middle to lower class and the, and the 1% at the top starts skyrocketing, then you end up with people who can't find their path to that escalator. Say, I want to I wanna live the American dream. How do I get there? The reality is, first and foremost, the American dream does exist. But for many people, they can't find the path to the American dream. It may not actually be an issue of laws or regulations. It could be an issue of culture, people just not knowing how to do it and education. But you will get all of these people dragging the whole system down, making everything worse for everybody because it's the system clearly isn't working. Now, I believe a lot of this has to do with cultural issues. I don't think there's going to be a regulatory way to deal with this. And I don't necessarily think that's the the way we should deal with this. I don't think we should pass a law where it's like, you can't be rich. Like that's, that's ridiculous. That's stupid. We want people to succeed. What we have are cultural problems. College, first and foremost, is causing a big portion of of these problems. How do we solve them? For one, get rid of the colleges. But we need to foster entrepreneurial attitudes in people. Teach them how to find past success and make it easier for them to start their own businesses. This could come in a regulatory manner or in a social program kind of way. Hey, I'm in favor of these things. Maybe we make it easier for people to get grants for small businesses. You got an idea? You can come in. You can get a grant. It's not that easy. And I blame schools. Most people don't know how to do this. Anyway, I don't want to go too much in income inequality. What I want to point out is 41% of Republicans believe it's bad as well. And 70% of Democrats. I think Trump is absolutely right to call it out. And I'd like to see some real action taken as to how we can reduce income inequality. The big reason for me why I think income disparity inequality is a problem, is that you end up with people like Mackenzie Bezos, who dumps nearly $2 billion into leftist fringe cultist ideology programs. Okay, I'm being a little, I'm exaggerating a bit, but you get the point. You get these ultra uber wealthy people who can fund all of these fringe political nonsense trash ideas. And what can we do? What can regular people do? Regular people don't have the means to make massive political donations. Now, I got to admit, I'm doing well for myself. But I certainly don't have $2 billion like Mackenzie Bezos does to just dump into political causes. I have made a decent amount of large uh, contributions to, to politicians, people that I believe in. And recently, a couple people like Billy Prempe, a conservative running in New Jersey, and Sean Parnell, a conservative running in Pennsylvania. I'm afforded that ability because I, may, I, you know, I do well for myself, to put it mildly. But what about regular people? How do they stand up? 
That's why I think it's important we figure out a way to reduce income inequality. That's why I like Donald Trump for saying this. Like I said, the dude's trying to get me to vote for him. I don't want to live in a country where through economic means or through, uh, you know, authoritarianism, you have ultra wealthy elites who have the ability to dictate for the rest of us and democracy becomes meaningless. I don't like that idea. And you know what? I'm willing to bet most populists completely agree and most libertarians agree within reason. Here's my here's 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 my position. I'll tell you what. I don't want to see a law that says you can't be rich. I don't want to see a wealth tax. And I don't even think a 90 percent tax bracket on the wealthy will actually solve these problems because people will just find loopholes. What we need to do is make it so that people through competition, through cultural attitudes, through uh, ease of starting a business, regular people, middle and lower class actually improve themselves and that is what ends up lowering this this income inequality. Maybe that's what Trump would probably implement. And I actually think it's rather a centrist or even center center right position I have, except for the fact that I think we could implement some kind of social programs to help people kickstart their businesses. I hear over and over again from people who have a skill or a talent and they say, I just don't have the capital. And because of the cost of my health care and my home and my vehicle, I can't even save up to start the business. That's a problem. How we solve this, I don't know. But hey, guess what? Your evil far right fascistic dictator just called out the problem. Awareness is the first step, right? Thanks for listening to this video. I'll tell you what Donald Trump should do. Totally just for whatever reason, I'm going to mention it. Trump, do this. Pardon nonviolent marijuana offenses at the federal level with, a, with a, to the best of your ability. Create a panel or council that will go through to make sure that these people are legit nonviolent offenders. There could be some people who are violent. And they only got convicted on, you know, pot issues. But I'll tell you this, Civ IQ, 68% of people want cannabis to be legal. 68%. I, you know what, man, you get Trump to enact some kind of reforms that help close the income gap. He legalizes marijuana to the extent that he can at the federal level and pardons nonviolent, true nonviolent convicts, expunges their records. I will happily walk in and, and, and slam that, you know, vote for Donald Trump. And also withdraw our troops from the Middle East. But he's doing that. So I'd be willing to bet if Trump came out and said, the first thing I will do upon re-election is pardon nonviolent pot offenders and work on a program to solve the income disparity problem, he'd win in a landslide. So do these things. I'll leave it there. I, I, I don't know. Look, I got to be honest. I loved the tweet from Trump. So I had to make a segment about it. I got one more coming up in a few minutes and I will see you all shortly. A few months ago, the security ministry for China advised the officials in the Communist Party at the highest level, including Xi Jinping, that they must prepare for physical conflict with the United States. Scary thought. Well, today I bring you escalation. Army Guard begins to reorganize force into eight divisions to prepare for possible fights with Russia and China. Great. Now, this could be nothing. Possible fights doesn't mean actual fights, but I'll tell you what, man, we've been hearing it over and over again. I'm going to say I'm going to say that I'm going to say the phrase, you know, what's coming Thucydides trap. People have been scared that there will be a war with China and the U.S. for years now, probably for quite some time, as we've seen China rise in the ranks. China has been preparing. There have been some confrontations, not physical confrontations, but like, you know, some boats and stuff and some some posturing, some saber rattling. Donald Trump issuing sanctions. China has been preparing. They've been doing beach. Uh, they, they've been doing like landing drills on beaches. 
I wonder why they've been expanding in the South China Sea. Yes, war is a real possibility. And now we are preparing. Stars and Stripes reports the Army National Guard will move most of its brigades under the command of its eight division headquarters as it reorganizes its fighting formations to give the force more combat power and some soldiers new career opportunities. The guard will move the guard will move uh, the guard move will mark a substantial increase in the number of fully manned divisions that the army can deploy as only the service's 10 active duty divisions are now filled out with subordinate units, said Lieutenant General Daniel Hokanson, the director of the Army National Guard. The increase to 18 complete army divisions comes at a time when service officials believe a major conflict with a near peer rival, namely Russia or China, would require the employment of full divisions, he said. For the last two decades, the army has focused on its smaller brigade combat teams as its primary fighting elements for counterterrorism operations and deployment focused on assisting the forces of other nations. When you look at the 2018 national defense strategy and competition among near peer competitors, peer competitors, that great power competition, there is a potential for large scale combat operations, and it could actually be division level fights. <laughs> oh, man. I'm sorry, dudes. I think war is coming. Everything we're seeing, I wonder, I wonder, I can only wonder this. If there was a red flag, this is a giant red flag. But let me tell you, if there was a red flag that conflict was coming, perhaps it's the gigantic communist red flag flying from these ships that are sailing around Taiwan and trying to put pressure on American you know, military operations. The national defense strategy crafted by former Defense Secretary Jim Mattis, guides the Pentagon on future planning, placing the potential for major conflict with rivals China and Russia as the nation's primary national security threat. For the two decades prior, the military has focused almost exclusively on fighting transnational terrorist organizations, which, which the strategy defined as a lesser threat than those posed by nation state competitors. The Army National Guard now has eight headquarter el- headquarters Elements stationed in Virginia, Texas, Pennsylvania, Minnesota, Kansas, Indiana, California, and New York, which are each made up made up of about 300 or so soldiers. Some have established relationships with subordinate units, but none are manned in the way the regular army has built its divisions, which boasts about 20,000 soldiers. Here we can see a photo. U.S. Army soldiers assigned to Bravo Battery 1st Battalion, 119th Field Artillery Regiment, Michigan Army National Guard, fire an M777 155mm howitzer as part of a direct fire training exercise during Northern Strike 20, Camp Grayling, Michigan. This is kind of a, uh, it's kind of a badass photograph, I tell you what. That's, uh, that's cool. After studying the formations, Hokanson found the Army Guard had plenty of brigades and battalions to staff those divisions, which would allow the formations to train together and establish critical bonds should they be needed to deploy together into combat. The actual division alignments have yet to be finalized this week. Officials uh, this week, officials notified key lawmakers and stakeholders in the 54 U.S. states and territories that host Army Guard formations about the plans. Guard official said, said they will require governors and other top state leaders to agree to partnerships with some units falling under the control of headquarters in other states. But Akansen said the new alignment will have no impact on the governors and state ad- adjutant general's control of the forces assigned to their home states. He also said the National Guard has not asked Congress to provide additional funding for the changes. 
The plan calls for more brigades to align with other divisions in their general regions of the nation. In one example, Hokanson said New Mexico's 1 to 200th Infantry Battalion would become part of the 41st Infantry Brigade Combat Team based in Oregon, which would become part a part of with the 41st Infantry Division based in California. Okay, okay, I got to slow down. I don't know a whole lot about how any of the military ranking, naming, battalion, all that stuff works. My, uh, uh, so, so probably people watching know way better than I do, and you can comment. But if this is the Army National Guard, and they're preparing for a conflict with Russia or China, I mean, these are guys who stay, for the most part, in the U.S., right? Is there concern, potentially, that there will be a homeland conflict I don't think that's ever really happened before, at least in modern history, right? We usually, we got too many guns, right? We got armed militias, I guess. Maybe I'm wrong, but you know, we'll see. Uh, so let's, uh, let's move down. They say, quote, so if you've got a lieutenant colonel or sergeant major out there in New Mexico, and one of them is absolutely potentially the best battalion commander or senior non-commissioned officer in the entire division right now, really wouldn't matter. There's no opportunity for them to advance, Hokinson said. This would provide us the ability to better manage our talent across the National Guard by providing opportunities to those officers and NCOs that demonstrate the greatest potential and capability. We then give them the potential for opportunities beyond where they might normally get if they just stayed in their home state. He said he hopes to have all the National Guard divisions established in the coming months and reach initial operating capability, meaning they have trained enough together to be certified as minimally effective to deploy and fight as a unit by October 1st, 2021. Mark those dates, man. I don't think we're going to see anything right now. There's a slow roll. People look at history, and I, I talk about this you know, every so often. People look at history, and it's a condensed view. It's a condensed lens. You'll see a story. I mean, did you know that I think the, the American Revolution took place over 20 years? There was somebody who was born after you know, like they, they started talking about uh, the potential for independence, and the conflict started that ended up fighting in the Revolutionary War later on. But when we look at history, a lot of people assume this stuff happened essentially overnight. It didn't. Right now, ranks are forming. In India, China and Pakistan are forming ranks on the border, which some, according to surveillance uh, drone footage, or I believe, I'm sorry, satellite, they think that China and Pakistan are, are preparing for a pincer attack on India, striking from two fronts to spread their forces thin and hurt India. Australia apparently has now said they're no longer neutral. We have joined forces with Australia's naval, you know, powers. It looks like we are we are we're getting ready for a serious international conflict. And it makes me wonder about everything we're seeing here in the US. I've said it before, but just to quickly give you the context, when people move out of these cities, half a million people from New York, we're decentralizing our economy. When the economy tanks, we are getting rid of non-essential functions and then slowly restoring with only essential functions. This helps us streamline our economy for essential functions, realign people to be working, working only essential jobs, and decentralizes them in the event that major cities get attacked. Also, people are buying lots of guns. Guns are hard to come by. I kid you not. My local gun store stripped bare. They got very little, they, they got very little inventory, whether it's intentional or not. It seems like all of these things are lining up for major international conflict. So we see it from China. We see it here from Stars and Stripes, eight new you know, battalions. Here's a quote. We never want to fight 
he said. So, uh, well, let me make sure. This is from Hawkinson. The goal is to prevent conflict. But if that fight does come, he wants the army guard soldiers ready to deploy as a full division that has spent time working together. Okay, here's, here's another quote. When you go out on the playground and everyone picks players and you just go versus, you know, you go versus having a team and you may only practice once a month and, and two weeks over the summer, but over the course of months and years, you know your strengths and weaknesses. You've worked together and as a team, you would play much better together, Hokinson said. That's what we're looking, uh, looking at with this. Sure, let me tell you something. If we, if we really were gearing up for war, this is exactly the right way to go about announcing it. If they came out and said, we expect full-on military conflict with China and Russia and or Russia, thus we are doing this, people would panic. They say, no, 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 look, it's, it's a maybe, we want to be ready, we're doing training exercises, we're, we're gearing up, creating new opportunities. So then people say, ah, oh, okay, okay, you don't want mass panic, but you do want to entertain the idea to, you know, gradually introduce what's to come. If they came out and said, America, Donald Trump was like, America, war with China is coming in the next year. Everybody get ready. People would flee. They'd quit their jobs. The economy would grind to a halt. So you do it slowly and gradually. And we're already seeing people flee. New jobs, new guns, new homes, decentralization. To me, looks like we're gearing up for war. But maybe it's just all of these things I'm seeing, right? It could just be that I'm looking for it's my confirmation bias, and this could be totally normal. But they're saying it. So you do what you got to do. I'll leave it there. Next segment will be tomorrow at 10 a.m. on this channel. Thank you so much for hanging out, and I will see you all next time.